Welcome to the Martial Arts and Crafts Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Deacon, life balance coach for better adulting, martial artist, instructor, creative artist, wife, mother, and all-around person. Thank you for joining me on the show as we learn together how to make an impact through personal growth, responding to challenges, making choices, and learning more about our identity, belonging, and purpose. On to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Martial Arts and Crafts podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Deacon, and I have a special guest here today with me. Di Manuel is a super dad dating his wife with a lead by example way of living and a contagious personality who is on a mission to positively impact 1 million role models around the globe to lead a functionally fit life, fun, F-U-N, functionally fit life through education, encouragement, and community. He is an award-winning digital thought leader and author, distinguished Toastmaster and keynote speaker, former partner and chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar retail company and a sought after lifestyle mentor and executive performance coach. Di knows the struggle of the juggle and keeping his health and happiness a priority. He models his work based on five F's, fitness, family, faith, and finances with an overarching roof of fun built on a rock solid foundation of health. Nuggets of wisdom and inspiration to take action to be your best self are guaranteed when you connect with Dai. And we've only talked for, I don't know, five minutes, and already I know this to be true. So please welcome to the show, Dai Manuel. Dai, it's great to have you here today. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Sarah. I, I, listen, I love what you're putting out to the world. You know, like we need more platforms that just, I don't know, share positivity, but also just help people shift perspective you know like we, we all have certain perspectives but sometimes we feel like as the cliche goes you know like a horse with those blinders on right like we get so much tunnel vision just in our own silos of life and, and yes. we forget there's all these other people out there you know having other unique experiences but we can learn so much from one another but sometimes we just don't take a moment to to just open up ask each other questions and, and talk right and 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 so i appreciate what you're putting out and uh you know I, i'm just honored to be here today thank you yeah thank you thank you for sharing that i i agree that's something that i I wasn't sure I was going to have guests on my podcast when I started because it was kind of a, a just for me thing. But yeah. now that I've started, I, I love it. I love talking to new people. It's just something I've really embraced because I've learned so much uh, from talking to, to people like you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I love that you start your bio with super dad. Um, I don't hear that designation from a lot of men in the world. So a lot of women, we put, oh, we're a mom and that kind of thing. Cause that, yeah. that is a huge part of the identity. So I love that you've just embraced that in your bio. So you can talk a little bit about that. Thanks, sir. Well, you know, here's the thing. I, it was many years ago, many years ago, I'd say probably about 12, 13 years ago when I was in sort of late twenties, early thirties, you know, I'm 45 now just to sort of date myself here and mm -hmm. give, give some context. Um, I used to really be enthralled with titles. You know, that's what I was chasing was titles. Cause I believe mm -hmm. that titles, especially professional titles was a sign of success. It was also something to be admired and respected, you know, and, and just 
that's what I believed. You, you, you want to move up in your professional career and achieve these, these namesakes, right? Like CEO, COO, CMO, you know, like these chief executive positions, you know, like mm -hmm. once I get there, I know I've made it, you right. know, and, and it became such a big part of my identity to the point where, you know, when things really started to not move as smoothly, when I started to feel much less fulfilled with the work that I was doing and starting to question, like, why am I putting so much time and energy into building a business when I feel like, you know, when I'm building at home isn't successful, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and because my focus was on my professional life and mm -hmm. not my personal life. And, and we hear this all the time, you know, we yes. all hear it. Like we hear about the work-life balance, right? And I'm here to say, well, it's 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 just a bunch of hooey, you know. Like it's not it's not true, all right. Work and life and balance, like it's impossible to have. And the only and, and you know, people might argue this, but just listen, hear me out. You know, like whenever you focus your attention on one thing, you, you automatically remove your attention from something else. You can only focus on one thing at a time. You know, yes. and, and, and actually Cal Newport, who wrote the book Deep Work, and he's got a lot of great information in there. And he talks about this, this phenomenon, you know, of, of multitasking <laughs> and how erroneous it actually is and how it's impossible to do. And, and you know, science has proven this. And, and, and yet we still try to champion that we can multitask. Right. <laughs> and, and I was one of those people. And so here it was, you know, I made some big shifts and, uh, and I started to ask myself, well, what's, that, what's actually the titles in life that really mean something to me? The, the, the ones that I I'm, I'm, would want to have forever and be really known for. And when I really summed it up, it was super dad <laughs> and dating my wife, you know, like those are really the, the most significant pieces of my life, you know, is, is also family. And also why, when you mentioned the five S and sort of my, my pillars or, or core values, family is one of them. And uh, because the, the more out of alignment we are with what is truly most important to us in life, like those non-negotiable values that we often tell people, it's like, those are non-negotiables. You know, family is paramount. It's number one. But then if you're not acting as such, right. and you're actually doing things that are opposite to that, it eventually eats away at us on the inside out. You know, like mm -hmm. we start to feel like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm, I'm not honoring myself. I'm not honoring these values. I'm not actually living in alignment with the person that I want to be. Yeah. And that's sort of what it was. So, you know, thank you for acknowledging the, the shift in the titling. And it's really just, it's the shift in focus and prioritization. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, th those are the titles that mean the most to me. Everything else, that's ah, just fun, you know, and uh, <laughs> stuff I've done, but, but really it's, it's first and foremost, it's family. Right. Yeah. I love that. And I, I love what you say about balance because I could have like probably the entire conversation about balance because I think there is a lot of nuance there. What yeah. we think balance means isn't what it actually means. And I think that's what it comes down to is mm -hmm. we say work-life balance and the word balance leads us to think, okay, well, it's going to be equal in yes. some way, but it's not. It's a matter of prioritizing and focusing and being intentional with where we spend our time. That's right. It's so true, right? Like, yeah. and it's, and as soon as we start to realize that, like, it's like, oh, I'm going to focus just on work right now. Well, inevitably, the more lopsided we are with that energy shift or focus, it, it, it will take away from the other side, you know, like it's, and, 
and we see this all the time. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh no, oh no, 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 family's not working out as well. You know, I'm having some some challenges there. Oh, I got to change my focus back there. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden work starts to suffer, right? And we, we feel like we're we're caught between these two spaces. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's not a matter of doing everything. It's right. a matter of choosing what you want to fill your days with. You know, what truly is a priority. And because I, I also found myself wearing a nice shiny badge of honor that said i'm so busy <laughs> you know, like you know the badge, i have right? never heard yeah. that one before that's amazing <laughs> yes no i i can like i can that, identify right? with that yes it's oh. it's a way of um looking productive like i'm accomplishing yeah. things i'm doing things look at what i'm doing and like you said the labels the badges the badge of honor i'm i'm so busy so i must be important finding your value there well, it's interesting though, right? When we really start to look at it, it's like how much of what we're busy with or what we feel that we're busy with is actually fulfilling us. Yeah. And uh, when we really start to look at those little things, I, I think it's, it often becomes obvious that, yikes, a lot of the things that I am doing might actually be more of a, a form of procrastination, putting mm-hmm. off doing the real work that I've identified are areas that I want to grow in or change or shift. And yet I keep filling my days with all this other make busy work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just, it's another form of procrastination in my opinion. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and, uh, and, and listen, I, I, <laughs> I still catch myself doing that. Okay. So like, I don't think it's a matter of one of those things, even though you yeah. become aware of it, you just stop doing it. No, it, it's just, you, you hope to start doing less of it. Right. And, and that's sort yeah. of what the path I've been going down, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your bio mentions you were COO of a mm-hmm. giant, you know, big retail company and, yeah. And so you were in that, that race chasing the labels and things like mm-hmm. that. So what, what was it that, um, really woke you up to this shift or this lack of alignment, or you made you really aware of, of all of this stuff? Well, you know, to be, to be fair, Sarah, like I, I sort of fell into entrepreneurship. It wasn't something like I, I'd, wa- I'd grown up watching my parents and they're both very entrepreneurial. My dad had mm-hmm. some practice and then my mom, she worked actually a government job, but she always had a side hustle, mm-hmm. always had a side hustle. She was an RN and uh, as such, you know, she worked for, for uh, you know, the health board and et cetera. Um, but she always had a side hustle. So I, I sort of grew up watching them with these side hustles, you know, and, mm-hmm. and focusing on this, this entrepreneurial journey. So I always saw that there was sort of both sides of the fence there professionally, you know, you either go into business for yourself or maybe you work for somebody else, you know, and, and both have appeal. And mm-hmm. as I got into my career path, you know, I sort of fell into a sales position selling fitness equipment. And prior to that, I was a personal trainer. I was someone that's very passionate about fitness and, and health and helping people change. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't come to that naturally, you know, just a, a little side note here. I was morbidly obese as a teenager and mm-hmm. I went through some big, big shifts that took about two years to realize yeah. those lifestyle changes, but, you know, released the excess weight, learned how to eat and fuel myself to thrive rather than just survive mm-hmm. and, and really just get connected with myself and understand what's it like to, to feel healthy, you know, in, in body, mind, and spirit. And that sort of set in motion this path in the fitness industry. And yeah. then I got into equipment sales and I was like, so you're telling me, because prior to that, you got to recognize as a trainer, we, we often train people or classes and, and, it's, it's a direct exchange of hours for dollars, right? And, mm-hmm. and the problem with that is we only have so many hours. 
and I was starting to think about family having kids and I'm like sheesh you know how am I going to do this you know like I, I only have so many hours I don't want to keep leveraging these hours right to the point that you know it starts to really detract from what I want to do you know especially if family is a value you know I can see like wow yeah. this is really going to take away from that value and then I got into equipment sales and it was my first time being in a performance-based pay structure and this is where you know like you you and I basically, you know, they just said, you're going to earn commission for, for helping people. And I'm like, so the more people I help get healthy with this equipment, you're going to pay me more. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, whoa, this is kind of cool. This is a novel <laughs> idea. I was like, wow. Okay. Well, let's see what this can be like. And I picked it up really quick and I just, uh, yeah. I, I flourished within those first 12 months and got uh, fast tracked into a management role in this national company. And, uh, mm. Uh, from there, you know, the, the guy that was a joint venture partner saw something in me and, and he had a bit of a bad break with the, the corporate company. It's like, you know what, I want to go to my own as an independent. Do you want to come with me? We'll, we'll do this thing together. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, I was like mid twenties at this point. And uh, yeah, I was going to ask, excited. it sounds like you were still pretty young there. <laughs> I was, I, but he was 20 years yeah. my senior and he'd been in the industry a long time. Sure. He was actually a mentor for me as well. And and I'd already been learning a lot from him. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, what do I got to lose? This sounds like a great opportunity. And mm -hmm. I trust you, you know? And so I was like, I'm in. Yeah. That set in motion, you know, a 15 year journey, you know, up until my, my, my mid thirties really. And uh, was in that industry for 17 years, got into a partnership role and we, we grew that. And, uh, and it was a lot of fun. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed what I was doing, but there eventually came a point where I just wasn't having fun anymore and feeling disconnected and not sure if this is the path that was meant for me anymore, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and we all hear about these times, you know, where, where we're in our careers and we've been in them a long time and we start questioning, why am I doing this? You know, right. like, and I think a lot of, that's one of that my place. favorite questions to ask is why are you doing this? Yeah. Yeah. And if you can't answer that both, you know, subjectively and objectively, right? Like the subjective is really that emotional connection yeah. to why we do what we do. And objectively, we can also then rationalize why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. and, but both are important, you know, and, and really when both are in alignment, it's a lot easier to make change, you know, because it's like, yes. okay, I not only feel the change, but I can see it and, and I can plan it. And it just feels a little bit more inviting. You know, a lot of us get into a place like me, especially, listen, I I've been a victim of change a lot in my life where I've like, Oh, change is hard. I feel like this change is happening. I don't want it to happen. Ah, uh, you know, woe is me. And, right. and, 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 you know, I, I started to shift my perspective and say, well, listen, there's been periods in my life where I've gone up against some pretty hard stuff and we all do this. We all can manage hard stuff mm -hmm. and we can often get through the hard stuff. And sometimes we forget that, that we have this natural resiliency in us. And, and so we have to remind ourselves, I am resilient. I can bounce back. I can, you know, get through this hard stuff and I can come out the other side because I have done it before. Yeah. And so as I started to revisit that, I was like, oh, geez, why do I need to keep doing this? Maybe there's something else meant for me out there. And, and, and to be fair, it's there, if people have, have heard my TEDx talk, I, I share about this instant because you asked me what woke me up. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me um 12 years ago uh well actually almost 13 now uh life was getting a little bit uh, out of hand um because i was feeling so disconnected from my work and really questioning my purpose 
And also at the same time, I was neglecting some of my core values, meaning not, not, not showing up for them like family, you know, as a big one. And, and so I started to feel more disconnected as well as discontented with my own life. And as a result of that, I was looking to escape those moments of where I was feeling overwhelmed, depressed, anxious. Uh, and, and for me, the, the easiest way to do that was with alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was an easy escape. End of the day, I was a busy day. I'd worked really hard, provide for my family. I've earned some drinks, you know, mm-hmm. and that was my mindset, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and that's became just a habit and, and it became very ritualistic. And it really started to road at my other values and, and at me as an individual. And it was really affecting my relationships at home. And then my wife one day, and for those that are interested in the longer version of this story, just you, you listen to the TEDx talk and I, I go into yeah. the detail. And sort I'll, of link what that, I'll link to yeah, that in the show you. notes. Um, but I'll give you the short version. My, my wife asked me a question and it was, you know, across the table one day as we were entertaining and more so she was actually leading the conversation to what would it look like for us to co-parent our children, but in separate homes, you know, like this is after 10 years together, we have two kids under the age of six and we're talking about what life is going to look like if we weren't together anymore. Mm-hmm. And for her, because she was at that breaking point, she was like, I, you know, this is not the environment our kids deserve to grow up in. And she asked me a question and, and this is anybody that's listening or watching this, this is the question you want to write down. You know, this is the one you want to take note, put it in your inventory for questions to ask yourself whenever you start to feel a little bit disconnected, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. my wife asked me, die, are you being the type of man? that you would want to marry your daughters. And it was just that question in that moment. I was like, oh, because, you know, I'd worked in sales for a long time. I became very good at handling objections, <laughs> you know, <laughs> dealing with, with tough conversations at times. And here I was, and I had nothing. There was no rebuttal. There was no justification. There was no objection that I could provide that would warrant the habits that I was reinforcing in my home and saying to my kids indirectly, just by me living and doing what I was doing, I was saying to my kids, this is who a man is. This is what a dad is. This is what a husband is. This is what a brother is. This is what a community leader is. You know, like, it, it, you know, so impressionable are children. And, and yeah. this is what I was role modeling. And, and it was just like this light bulb went off and I was like, holy smokes. No, I'm not. And it was in that moment, I made a commitment to my family, but more importantly, a commitment to myself that I'd go one year without drinking, one year without any alcohol. And believe me, since the age of 17, that would be the longest stint ever, <laughs> you know, like ever. And, and that's what it started as. But I, I realized very quickly, and this is the thing, Sarah, when we, we start to recognize that there's certain crutches that we've become very reliant on in our lives and we remove those crutches, we realize, yikes, I don't actually have either the skills or the awareness of how to function without them. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was. You know, yeah. Like, and especially with alcohol, that's very much, yeah. um, you know, just sort of normalized that, yeah, mm-hmm. you have a drink every day. Sure. Like the, the mommy drinking culture is so normalized and, right. and just right there that it's like, Oh yeah, that's just how it is. And, 
And it is, it's normalizing that escape or that crutch, like you say, that, you know, instead of giving us the tools that we need to move through life with ownership and confidence and, you know, trusting our own abilities, we are getting the messages that it's, it's better to just have a glass of wine or it's better to just have a drink at the end of the day. And that's how, that's how you unwind. It's so true. And it is very much normalized and, and it's, but it's also easy, right? It's the path of yeah. least resistance. Yeah. And unfortunately I started to realize it was creating a lot of resistance in other areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and I was also just trying to ignore that. And, uh, when you remove the crutch, you can't ignore it anymore. It's like, wow, okay, I've got a bit of a limp here. You know, I got to learn that either to rehab this, you know, fix this, or or learn to function in another way without the crutch. And mm-hmm. for me, it was like learning to walk again. You know, and and you know, up until that point, because I was so ego driven and, and focused on career and focused on how people perceived me, I realized that wow, I, I'm someone who's not comfortable asking for help. I'm also someone that's not comfortable with speaking about some of these personal challenges, especially openly in a way that invites others to share as well. And what I mean by this is, you know, what's really interesting, you know, the term vulnerability is, I mean, we, we, we know a lot more about it today because of work of people like Brene Brown and Tony Robbins and, and, and a few other people uh, of note mm-hmm. that, that often talk about this idea of vulnerability. And, and it can be something that's very positive, even though most of our connotations with that word is negative, right? We're like, oh, that's weakness. That's, that's, we don't do that. Yeah, you can't do that. People take advantage of you, you know, like. Right. The and, definition and so of vulnerability is at risk, right? <laughs> like you're. It You're is. open to attack, right? Like that's, that's right. That's, that's the definition. So of course we're afraid of it. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing, you know, I, I think we need a bit of a paradigm shift to open up the understanding of that term. And it's just because it's a relationship to a concept. And, and I truly believe that vulnerability can be a skill that can be developed, but it, it has to be something that's done in a safe way where trust is, is obviously not only given, but more importantly, earned. And yes. what I realized was I, I needed to open up. I needed to ask for help. And I did. And, and it was hard. Like, I'm going to be straight. Like, it was hard because it, it was so opposite of how I operated up to that point in my life. You know, for the first 32, 33 years of my life, I... Mm-hmm not asking for help like that's weakness you know like I'll do it on my own I'll figure it away and yada 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 right like and the beat goes on and and uh so here it was you know I I found a counselor to work with I found a psychologist that I started working with I realized that there were some things that I needed to work through and, and so I just embraced the work and, and you know up to that point I was so focused on professional development this is my first time changing the focus to personal development and really mm-hmm. self development and and self-improvement or self-love I mean there's lots of ways to sort of coin this but mm-hmm. the bottom line is I turned the focus from looking at everything outside of me to, to let's look at everything inside me yikes yeah. and it's not not a, a pleasant experience when you get started because you know especially when you're working with professionals they're going to help you shine a light on all those little dark recesses of your 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 being that we've learned how to ignore or or block away right and mm-hmm. uh but as soon as you work through that stuff, and it, you know, it was about six months uh, of work with different professionals and me doing a lot of reading and, and self-reflection and introspection. And 
it was beautiful awakening. You know, all of a sudden I, I, I unlocked something where I was not focused on the ego anymore, but focused on, you know, not so much on me, but on we and on them, yeah. you know, my, my focus went outside of me now and, and, you know, starting to contribute more and it made me feel a certain way. And I felt fulfilled and I was getting excited and, and it opened up my eyes to different career opportunities as well. And ultimately uh, that's what happened. You know, a couple of years after that whole shift happened, I exited out of my, my career of 17 years, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was scary. I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I knew I didn't want to be on that path anymore. I needed something new. I needed something different, something that made me feel more fulfilled. <clears throat> and uh, it can be scary at times. I'll, I'll be honest. People are probably thinking, Oh, well, that sounds like a great idea. I mean, I mean, I'm not as happy with my job right now. I'm thinking about switching. And I'm like, yeah, it's scary though. I mean, it is because yeah. it involves a lot of change again and change is right. scary. It is right. Like it's, it's scary. So um yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And is anything ever not going to change though? Like it's all going to change. Like even <laughs> your right. seven year, 17 year profession changed, oh, you know, you tons. changed the job itself probably changed many times, you know, and then yeah. you did. And that's when you get to step in and really take charge of the change and, and go into change, not feeling like you said, like the victim of change but getting excited by the change, even when it's scary. So talk about a little bit of the challenges you faced with stepping out and stepping out on your own um, into the business, figuring out what you were going to do. Cause you've, you've done, you've done a lot. You've, you've done a TEDx talk, which is huge. And then all the other professional offers you have talk a little bit about that. Hmm. Well, you know, fortunately for me, you know, a couple of years before I went through that whole transition, I had started blogging, you know, and I started, mm -hmm. you know, exploring these things called social media, you know, like I remember Twitter and Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, really just starting to lean into those platforms more as, as a way to contribute and connect. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what I wanted. I wanted to contribute. I wanted to help people with health, with fitness, with well-being, especially mental health, you know, mm -hmm. that that's inner confidence that we can develop and cultivate not only in ourselves, but in others. And, and I felt really fulfilled doing that kind of work. So I was like, okay, well, even though I'm still working in my, my corporate career in my company, I'm very passionate about these other areas. And, and so it was my, my toes in the water of a side hustle, but it was a side hustle that was not monetized. Okay. I had no mm -hmm. money coming in from it, but yet it made me feel so good doing that stuff. I was like, I'm just going to keep doing it, you know? And so I would post content, I'd write articles, I'd do the occasional video here and there, just providing value. Fast forward a few years when I eventually got to this place where I was thinking about transitioning out. And I was like, I can't be on this path anymore. My wife had been dripping on me. And, and, and you know, when we met, when we were both very young in her early 20s, she had always intimated that her dream was to be able to travel as a family, to, to, to mm -hmm. literally have experiences around the world with our kids. Yeah. And I wanted to honor that, but I was also on the same note, to be fair, I was like, no way. Like that, like, how is that even possible? Like, no, I'm, I'm working. This is my company. I can't leave it. We're brick and mortar retail. I mean, like right. it doesn't, it's not really conducive with us traveling full-time as a family. And, but over time, you know, I, I started to just ask, well, why not? Like, why not? Why, why can't we have a life like that? Right. Because we started to really lean into some of the vision that we had of the because of the questions that we were asking one another. It's like, what kind of life do we want to have? 
What kind of life do we want to have with our kids? What kind of experiences do we want to have with them? And when you get really clear on that and you start to reverse engineer from that vision, you can start to figure out what do I need to start doing to bring me closer to that or at least get me in motion heading that direction. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, the, my wife, she's, she's awesome. Uh, she kept dripping on me like podcasts of traveling nomadic families, you know, or, oh, yeah. or digital nomads. And, you know, I was like, what's a digital nomad? I, I have no idea. You know, this is like a decade ago. And I was like, ah, I don't yeah. know what I'm talking about. And uh, started to, to open my eyes that there are other ways of, of doing things, you know, and, and uh, I had a friend of mine that was in digital marketing and he took a look at some of my stuff I was doing online. And he's like, are you making any money doing this? And I'm like, well, no. You mean you can make money doing this stuff? Like, cause I was like such a noob, right? I was like, you, mean you can make yep. money doing this? And he's like, yeah, you can totally make money. And you know, I look at your website traffic. Yeah, I mean, you should, you should be fully monetized. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, uh, thank you. And, and uh, you know, at the same time we were building some communities online and offline. Uh, my wife and I, again, we were just looking to contribute to create communities yeah. to help people. And, uh, and it was nice because we could do that fully because we both had careers and we had other incomes, you know, through that. So these side initiatives, there was no pressure to ever monetize them, which allowed us to show up in a very different way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no pressure. There's nothing to convert. There's no call to action. It's simply come hang out right. and connect, you know, like, and, and see what happens. There was no ask. There was nothing like, you know, <laughs> you know, now looking back, I'm like, well, we probably missed out on some opportunities. Sure. But you know what? The connections that we made and, and the way it made us feel and what we learned through that process was invaluable, you know? And so ultimately got to a place. I, I, I wrote a book during that last sort of 18 months at my career because we gave him 20 months notice. Because obviously Great. being an integral role, being a founder of the right. company, um, I have to have a good exit and, mm -hmm. and, you know, make sure I leave things uh, better than it was when I got there, at least try to. And so went through that. And then a month after that, after I left my career of 17 years, my wife left hers. And two months after that, we pulled the kids out of school. We literally gave away all our stuff other than some clothes and some, some items that we packed in the back of our SUV. And then we were like, okay, we're going to go traveling. And, you know, at this point I had just enough coming in that we could cover ourselves while traveling. We didn't have a lot of savings. Yeah. We didn't exit out of the company at a good time. It was a down year. Uh -huh. And uh, so, you know, I know I needed work, I need income, um, but we had enough coming in from the online space that it was like, okay, well, we can make this work. You know, like how much do we really need? You know, if you, you know, simplify your lifestyle. Right. You know, we became people that collect experiences, not collecting stuff you know, became very minimalist. It was amazing. Like you'd be so surprised. And this is my invitation to people like that. You're probably thinking, well, that's crazy. There's no way we could ever do that. I'm like, listen, why not? You know, why not? And, and actually start the exploration or the introspection period to see like, maybe it is, maybe even taking a one-year sabbatical from your career just yeah. to experience this with your family or on your own, you know, like there's options today. Plus, I mean, after what we've experienced in COVID, so many people are open to this idea of remote work now. Yes, hundred you know? percent, absolutely. Like, it, it's cool now because businesses and employers are actually much more uh, open to that conversation about having a, a, a you know a digital commute, so to speak. Like mm -hmm. you don't have to show up in an office space anymore. Mm -hmm. 
so flexibility to for freedom of lifestyle and, and and to be location independent is definitely very real opportunity for so many people nowadays but 10 years ago it wasn't the norm and uh right. it was a bit intimidating and and it was good though we, we went out and we started traveling and um we ended up in bali indonesia and we ended up living there for just over two years wow. before coming back to vancouver uh so my kids could finish high school and uh, all the while, you know, just coaching, speaking, helping people with big chiefs, both professionally and personally. That's all I did, you know, and yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, like it's, it makes me feel so good, so fulfilled. But more importantly, I just, I, I thrive on getting people results. Like that's similar to what you do. You right. Like, exactly. It's exactly what you do, you know, and, yeah. and uh, it's fun, right? It's fulfilling. Yeah, it's so great. And just what I hear from that story, what I'm what I'm pulling out of it is that that was a huge mindset shift for you to say, well, why not? Why can't we do whatever it is? And that's something that I think is so powerful when when people wake up to it is I can think differently. I I don't have to just do the things and check the boxes that my parents and my grandparents did just because they did it that way, or just because social media shows it that way, or just because my friends are all doing it this way. It can be your own, you know, you can draw your own map for what you yes. want your life to look like. And even if it doesn't look like anybody else's right now, that doesn't mean there's nobody else doing it. <laughs> Cause like you said, there, there were these podcasts and there were these books and these things, you know, these resources out there, families doing what you eventually did. Um, so when you see those things that sort of spark that, what if in you, it's ask the question, well, what if, like, why not? And how would you, instead of no, I can't, I couldn't. So I love that. I love that story. And I'm sure that your two years in Bali would make a whole series of podcast episodes in itself, but we only had a few, a few minutes to touch on that. So that's, that's yeah. amazing. Thank you. Uh, so I was going to say, for those that are listening though, like there's three questions. Cause I, I, I know that uh, just in, in how, I know that you love to provide people with actionable steps. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So, that just, was going to be my question. You just jumped on that's, me. That's what I thought because I already know that. Uh, I was know, going there. I was going there already. Yeah. And so there, there's for anybody that's feeling like some change is needed, you know, like we, we start to feel that, but it eventually gets to a point where we can't ignore it anymore. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I got to make some changes. Now, mm -hmm. that could be physically, maybe from a fitness standpoint, it could be emotionally from a mental health standpoint, maybe even spiritually, we're looking mm -hmm. for more connection or fulfillment from the things that we do and the, 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 the relationships that we have. And mm -hmm. whatever it is, you start to feel like I need to change. Got to shift something. I got to yes. change something up. Okay. There's three questions. Okay. These are the three questions to help you not only get the clarity, more importantly, the confidence to, to be able to start the change process. Because here's the thing, when you're feeling confident, it's usually because you're feeling very clear on the path and what direction mm -hmm. to go and what actions to take. Because if you're clear, you'll feel confident. If you're confident, you're gonna take action more freely. Mm -hmm. And here's the cool thing, Absolutely. as you start to take action, you actually build more confidence, yep. <laughs> which also allows and you more clarity. more clarity. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. So it's like this ebb and flow, right? This mm -hmm. ebb and flow back and forth between these points. And uh, it's pretty cool. Right, because the, the, the easiest way to kill procrastination is to build your confidence. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the easiest way, but you'll probably find that most of the time we tend to procrastinate on things because we're either we're not feeling clear or not feeling confident on the things that we ought to be doing. So we don't do it. We don't distract ourselves. We do something mm-hmm. else, right? Uh, Netflix and chill, right? Uh, nice. And uh, yes. So so here's the three questions. First question you got to ask yourself is, can I do this? Whatever the change is, can I do this? And that hints, it shines a light on this area of self-education, or mm-hmm. maybe you need a coach, a mentor, mm-hmm. somebody to help you develop some basic skills or awareness or knowledge mm-hmm. or understanding to start the process of change. All right. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. When I, like I said, at 15 years old, I was morbidly obese. Can I get, can I lose this weight? Can I actually get healthy? Cause at that point I didn't believe I could, like right. I was so far gone, depressed, dealing with a lot of social mm-hmm. anxiety, like just, I'll save you the drama story, but I wasn't in a good place, mm-hmm. but I knew I wanted to make a change. I did not want to be like that anymore. Cause I was more afraid if I stayed as I was in the next five years, it was only going to get worse. Yeah. So I know that it was, I was running away from that potential future and running mm-hmm. towards a, a different future that I knew was going to take work, but it was one that I felt more aligned with bottom Absolutely. line. And um, so I knew I needed to educate myself because I didn't know how to do it. So can, right. I, can I do this? Can I lose the weight? Well, yeah, I think I can, but I'm going to have to learn how to do it. I went to the library. I got books on fitness, nutrition, lifestyle. Like I just started to self-educate. I also surrounded myself with a few people that I believe knew what they were doing. They looked really healthy. They played sports. Like they had an active lifestyle. So I would ask some questions, you know, and, and this is how I built that, that self-confidence because I was building my self-education. So you get to an yes with question one, can I do this? Mm -hmm. Question two, you follow it up with. Okay. If I do this, will it actually work? <laughs> you know, like because that's a big one, right? Like a lot of us start to, and I see this a lot with with clients that come to me for lifestyle support. You know, uh-huh. like really to help them change their lifestyle, their physicality, their mental fitness, especially. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can be pretty daunting at times, especially if we don't know what to do or how to do it, and it's especially if it's something we've never done before. But we often refer back to other times we've tried to make changes in our life. And it's like, well, I tried to make these changes before. Like there's people that go on diets all the time. Right? Yeah. It's like, well, I went on this diet. I lost all this weight. And then I gained it all back again. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so then it's looking at that belief yeah. that comes up yes. when you ask, well, will it work? Because maybe you believe it won't. That's right. And, and we were very quick to justify not getting results. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I see. I told you it wouldn't work. I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? You know, you know, you gave up before you even tried. You know, yeah. And and so here's this idea: like, if I do this, will it work? And and it does take a bit of a leap of faith. But if you've educated yourself with step one, you've actually mm-hmm. built your awareness. You found other people that have also gotten results. It's like, wow, they did this. They got results. I'm similar to them. Why wouldn't I be able to get results? Right. And so this often involves building trust in a process. You know, so if I do this, will it work? Well, I've seen that other people have got results. So I feel that, yes, I can get results too. Yes. So we got yes and yes. Can I do this? Yes. If I do this, will it work? Yes. Okay. Now there's question three. Is it worth it? Uh, Now, that's great when I'm talking to teams or organizations, but I I usually, when I'm talking to individuals, like we're having a conversation today, I I would reframe that. You have to ask yourself, am I worth it? mm. Am I worth the change? 
Now, this opens up a whole other area that we could talk I, for another I know, 45 I know. minutes and about that. I'm one, not going to go into it all, but <laughs> but this is a value thing. It's yeah. a self-value. Mm-hmm. And, and and I say, if you can't be at 100%, hell yes, I'm worth this. Follow it up with question 3B. And this is 3B is, who do I need to align with to help me with this change? Mm-hmm. Because if we don't have the belief in ourselves, get around people that have belief in us mm-hmm. and find a community to belong to, not join. I mean, we can join Facebook groups, we can join yeah. communities all day long, but find a place that you belong to and you feel that belonging. Because when you get around people like that, even if you don't have all the belief for yourself, there's other people that have probably also embarked on similar journeys that might be just a couple steps ahead of you. Yep. And you know what? They're going to be there to, to pick you up when you fall down. They're going to be there to support you, hold you accountable, tell you, hey, you got this because they're going to pour into you the belief that you don't have in yourself yet because you couldn't answer number three. Am I worth it? You weren't able to, but they're all going to look at you and say, hell yeah, you're worth it. And they're going to keep telling you you're worth it until you believe it too. Yes. And so those are the questions. You just write those down, put them in your wallet, your purse, your phone, whatever. And just Mm -hmm. anytime you feel a need to change, start to work through the answers of those questions. And believe me, change may seem like this insurmountable mountain. You go through these exercises and it becomes an old hill, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like you realize like, wow, I was making such a big deal about this change, but actually when I break it down and now that I got the clarity and the confidence, it's actually not as challenging as I thought it might be. Now I just got to get to work. Right. And, and that's it, you know, this is how to become a champion of change rather than feeling like you're a victim of change. Exactly. I love that. Thank you so much, Di, for sharing those, those three questions and for sharing so much of your story. There is a lot more to hear from Di. So where can we find you online, Di? Uh, Simplest would be going to my website, which is just my name, dimanwell.com. There's about 1800 articles I've published over the last like 14 years. So lots of content there. It's all in the, the, the vein of trying to help you live your best life. Okay. That's it. Fantastic. And, yes. and, and navigate change. Okay. So there's nutrition, fitness, mental health tips and resources and strategies. There's all sorts of stuff. Um, but if you want to have a conversation with me, you can either send a, an email through the website or just reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. I'm very active on those three platforms and uh, I am on all of them, but those are the three I tend to have conversations with people. So just message me, say, Hey, I heard you and Sarah talking about this. And this is the change that I want to make. I'd love to hear it. Tell me, tell me what the changes you're making right now. You know, like that's a great way for us to start a conversation. Yes. And, uh, and if anybody has any questions, just let me know. Fantastic. Well, I, I loved meeting you today, Di. Thank you so much for being here. I, you have so much knowledge, wisdom, and experience to share. So I, I so appreciate you coming on my, my little show and sharing it with me and, and my listeners. So I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you so much, Sarah. Really appreciate the conversation.